With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studio. Join more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And thanks to John Clayton, friend of, friend of the show, I think we can say. Judd Zolgad, yeah. Declan Goff. Absolutely. John Clayton has broken the news as we uh, settle into schedule day here on this Thursday. That and, and by the way, some people might be listening to this after the schedule has come out. And so we'll find out if John Clayton was right or wrong. But... Four AFC teams on the slate for the Vikings to start the season, as will be the case for every team in the NFL, I actually AFC heard it. versus NFC. So on uh, Golick and Wingo on Thursday morning, they were talking about the same thing. It sounds like it's been confirmed. And that's just so they can lop those they games off. They can just get rid of those games. To. Exactly right. So it could go to a... It could go to a 12-game season lopping off the most meaningless um, games as far as your standing is concerned. I kind of like it. That makes sense. I don't like it, but I accept it fully. And if this means that, that we're going to get a schedule because they determined that this was the best way to go about things, I say I'm fine. Like, ordinarily, I'd be like, oh, this sucks. But right now, since most of the world sucks, I'll take this as opposed to we're going to have to delay the schedule because we don't want the Vikings opening against, let's say, the Packers or something like that, and it's going to screw things well, up. Well, I mean, actually, so it, it benefits the Vikings maybe more than, and I haven't combed through every team's opponents, but, you know, the the four teams the Vikings would face to start their season. If I Let me take that back. It benefits the Vikings if you play all 16 games because you can get off to a hot start against crappy AFC teams. The Jaguars are part of your schedule. I think the Titans are taking a step back. The Titans are feisty, but I feel like the Titans... Pretty much or... squeezed all of the toothpaste out of that tube last year, and, and they just put their chips on Ryan Tannehill, which I don't know if I would advise, but maybe I'm wrong. And then the Colts have a good team, but Phillip Rivers is, as much as I hate to say this, not the same Phillip Rivers from five years ago. You think? The at-Houston game is not going to be easy, but like there are much tougher games on your schedule than these four AFC games. The problem is if those games get lopped off yes. and you play a 12-game season, yes. The only real soft spots on your schedule maybe are like home against the Bears and Lions. Now I mean, your schedule outside of those AFC games is impossible. What this does do is it potentially makes your schedule even if they don't get locked off and let's let's say they start on time and play all sixteen. It now, especially with the quarterbacks we talked about away, it now makes the last couple months of your schedule potentially incredibly tough. Yeah, you're stacking because, all those games because you've gotten rid of. Gardner Minshew, okay, that's good. You know, that's fine. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't know that Tannehill takes a huge step back, but I just think the Titans do. 
Deshaun Watson's a pain. Uh, and, and then to your point about your guy, Philip Rivers, who has not been the same for a while now. But now, now instead of, you know, sort of mixing in an AFC QB, who you're like, oh, that guy's pretty good, but not great. It goes those four games and then a really, really aggressive schedule of potentially um, great to very good quarterbacks mixed in for the next 12. So does this also tell you that they're sort of locked into the Super Bowl date, that, they, that they've looked at this and said, all right, if we have to move the start of the season back, rather than just moving 16 games back and playing a Super Bowl in early March or something, we'd rather play the Super Bowl first week of February like usual and lop four games off the season. I find this to be a little bit puzzling, I guess. Why not? Why not have a plan that just I think pushes the whole thing back? Because I think it's just proactive. Because it just makes sense. Because if you do have to uh, start late and the networks and there's a problem. Now, now here's the real question, because I tweeted this point out last night after I saw John Clayton's report, which I think he went on a radio station and said, it might have been in Pittsburgh. Um, it and, was with Andrew Filipponi. And I think it was a uh, doctor that tweeted me back, and it's a really good point. And it's this. Do you have doctors tweeting at you? He said he was a doctor. I he think put he on was. a lot of weight. So I think, yeah, exactly <laughs> His right. first tweet to Joe was, are you okay, man? Are you okay? Are you a little problem there? <laughs> um, but he had an interesting point, and not to be Buzz Killington here, but, you know, the fear about the flare-up again of uh, coronavirus is actually more for the fall. So his point was there's a good chance that you could get these four games in and the flare-up's going to come on the back half of those four games. So I think that this is just a proactive, smart... I give this league credit. The National Football League boys has done a lot of dumb things. I mean, they're a billion-dollar successful business, but we've certainly questioned Roger Goodell before. But where I'm going to give them credit so far, and they obviously aren't facing the same thing as basketball um, and hockey and baseball because they don't need to play games right now. But I think they've made a lot of smart procedural moves. And you know what? Mm -hmm. If you're going to say there's an out for these four games for each team, that's probably smart. So I love what the NFL has done so far by just doing nothing, by literally just, like, holding all the things so far. Yeah. And I wonder what their breaking point is going to be because I think the NFL, the NFL definitely skews a little bit more. Like the NBA, I think plays to a more liberal crowd. I think the NBA plays to more of the hey, we're we're going to be the first sport to step aside. I think the NFL skews a little bit more toward we're going to literally claw and hold on to every piece of turf that we can, literally and figuratively. And only if there is intense national pressure will we cancel games. Yep. And I am so curious to see where that line gets drawn. And we don't know now. Like, there's, We're sitting here, and it's the first week of May. We have four months until the NFL really has to make a decision on this. Mm-hmm. Well, if they think that there's going to be testing in the next few months that's going to be available pretty much for everybody, so it's not going to be a question of our players are being tested, but the public is not, all right? If you think about this, it is this is the league, Phil, that is the ultimate studio sport. It's the league where where players, let's say, 35 through 53 on a roster, desperately need those checks. They desperately do. Like, if, you're a, if you are um, a big league baseball player, you are hurting right now because you're not being paid. I get that. But if you've saved it all, you're probably in good shape. And hockey, basketball, and baseball are the world of guaranteed contracts. This is not. I think that 
if you also examine football plays, 16 games. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we got to be playing in Anaheim tonight and then we got to turn around and open a four-gamer in Baltimore tomorrow, right? So if any sport sets up to become strictly a studio sport for one year and to knock off games, it's football. So here's a question for you, and I, this is not apples to oranges, uh, or it's not apples to apples, but the WWE, my beloved professional wrestling, is also somewhat a studio sport, but I think the crowd enhances it so much. It is weird to watch WrestleMania and Monday Night Raw if you're a fan, like, and Declan's a fan too. Mm-hmm. It's weird to watch it without fans because even though, like, the matches can go on, and like you can have a ladder match, but in an empty arena, it's weird. But like the energy is different. And last Monday night, Monday Night Raw has been televised every single week since 1993. It's the longest running episodic TV show in American TV history. They had the lowest number of listeners in the hist- of, of viewers, I should say, in the history of Monday Night Raw this last Monday. In part because like. The storylines aren't as great as they were in the Attitude Era, right. but also in part because there's no energy. There's no. It, it it literally just feels like they're forcing it on a week-by-week basis to try and keep it churning, but there's no crowd. Will the NFL, if they play even a partial schedule inside empty stadiums, you know, like I, I think the NFL's product relies on crowd energy and atmosphere a lot more than baseball. Like I could actually, I mean, there's a lot of teams in baseball that literally do play in front of empty stadiums. Yeah. The Twins in the '90s, yeah. the Rays every year since their inception, the Marlins, like teams play in front of empty stadiums. Do you think ratings will go up or down for NFL games after the first like novelty week? Right. Once after you settle the first in, if the whole season is played without fans, are people gonna? Is it gonna be like wrestling where people are like? All right, I'm glad it's on, but like this feels weird, and the intensity's not the same, and the energy's not. I think they're going to be incredibly strong. Here's the one thing, and I don't mean to speak ill of your sport because I know that WWE is a passion play of both of yours. So forgive me for saying this, but to what you said, it's an episodic show, and we all know it's a scripted show. And so the crowd is part of that script in some ways. Like, they add fuel to that script. They add, um, I think people are going to be so desperate for live sports. And, and this is, you know, make no mistake, you guys, the ultimate live sport. And furthermore, what do people miss as well right now? Gambling. And there's nothing else to gamble on. So if football comes back, the fantasy football, it's, it's going to be so... I, I think that because we don't know what the script is, because it's it's just a spontaneous sport, that football will be hurt by not having crowds? Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say that Roger Goodell and company are going to be like, you know what, this is a great idea. Let's just have her be a studio show from now on. But I do believe that if football comes back, and, and again, the thing that makes football so special, and this is true during pandemics, and this is true during non-pandemic times, is... It's 16 regular season games. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, let's just say that we're still in, in a holding pattern of sorts. So things improve, but, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get back to what we knew as normal for a long time, if ever. And so if one of your great anticipatory joys in September and October becomes National Football League is playing. And, by the way, I don't think college football plays. So I don't think this is going to be, it's all back. Saturday we got college. You think there is no college football season? I think college football is going to be up against it. I don't know, I don't know how yeah. they do it. I, it it's a different sport. It, it's, a diff, it's a different animal as far as, as how many people you need in there, blah, blah, blah. But I just think that 
the National Football League could serve a really cool purpose of almost being, guys, a version of, of what we're seeing with The Last Dance, which is a anticipatory Sunday, oh, my God, it's here, and thank God this feels normal. I think with the NFL, too, like at, at most, there's, what, a dozen games? There's uh, maybe a dozen games on a, on a given day on a Sunday, right? And in, the, in college football, there's 50. I mean, there's so many things going on. It's so much harder to control where the NFL, like Judd's saying, people are going to be so ready to watch sports, and I think they can space it out, and, and it's a TV sport. I, like, yes, the, the crowd and the suites, there's, there's, there's advantages to being at a football game, but it is such a couch sport that people are going to be ready for it from the second, and I don't think it would die off by week five yeah. or six. All right, if the, if the Vikings do play, all right, if the, if, if the NFL plays and the Vikings do play, I, I got a question for you. Declan, can you, can you hit the sound here for me? Yes. Okay. Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore Sports Talker of the Week with Maggie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. Okay, what's your Mount Rushmore Vikings players who will play through coronavirus symptoms? Oh, well, are you the entire offensive line? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. They're touching people the most. Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying they don't feel well and keep playing. Maybe a couple guys in there that I question. Hold, hold on a second here. Oh, Maybe a couple oh, okay. guys in there that I have questions about. Riley about Reeve, their toughness. Riley Reeve, for all of the fact that he's not a uh, Pro Bowl left tackle, I think he'd go up to a fever of approximately 104, and he wouldn't he's tell still you. still in there? And he'd keep playing. There's okay. a couple games where it looked like he may have had a fever of 104 last year, I'm trying, that is an unnecessary shot. That's not very nice. I'm trying to think of, <laughs> I'm trying to think of my defensive tackle. Pierce, perhaps? But I, you know, I mean, Lindell Lindell Joseph, before he was he jettisoned, that right? dude like, got shot in the leg one time and played two weeks later. Oh, you yeah. know who else would? Eric Hendricks. I think Harrison Smith. Oh, Harrison, Harrison leads it. In one, my opinion. one ten. He's still playing. Yeah, yeah. Harrison Smith's out. Burning up. He's he's crawling around on the field turf, but he's still out there. Yeah, that's a good one. I um, think Daniel Hunter plays. Okay. He's. I don't even think Daniel like Daniel Hunter doesn't even register fevers. He's just a machine. Yeah. Hit the sounder again, because I'm going to come back at you with an even better question off of that. Wow. Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore Sports Talker of the Week with Maggie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. R.I.P. Rami. First four Vikings to get a cold and get so scared that they've got corona <laughs> that they sit out, that they quarantine. Wow. Well, Kirk, right? All of the wide receivers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Feeling Kirk. <laughs> it's just a cold. You're fine. No! I've got Corona. All of the receivers. Uh, I think Colquitt punts through a 105 fever. I think I'm a big Colquitt guy, I think Colquitt punts through it, man. <laughs> that guy's a holder, too. Let's yeah. not forget the he, key. That dude, that dude holds through a 104 fever, doesn't he? Yes. I'm not going to lie. Give the damn ball. I'm not going to lie. I will go ultimate football geeky here and tell you that I don't think we talked about the fact of how good of holder Colquitt proved to be in Dan Bailey's ultimate success of 2019. Hey, does pro football focus rate holders? That's probably a better question for Matthew Collar. Matthew Collar would know the answer to that. Actually, question. hold on. I, let me pull it open. They They've got, they got a should. position list. It's they important. They have a position list. It's important. They've got quarterbacks, wide receivers, halfbacks. I don't think they do. They should, though. We're going to take this up with you Eric Eager and Munson. Right? Yeah. That wouldn't be hard. They've got kickers, punters, and they've got every they got everything but long snappers and holders on here. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna send an angry email mm. to Pro you Football Focus. You know what? Focus. I am going to volunteer to take the job of breaking down the film of every hold because you could easily grade them. You laces in, e- laces oh, out. Oh, there's no question Damn. about it. 
Oily did you? Hips. Did, did you? Yeah. I would think too. Like, you could do that. if you're a kicker and everything's regimented, if you even like bobble briefly, I'm thrown off entirely. Longwell's told stories about that. It's a real problem. Like if you if if they just assume ah, this guy can hold, he's fine. There's a lot of kickers who have flipped out because they're like, no, you, the guy sucks. By the way, according to Pro Football Focus, so Brett Kern is by far the the Tennessee Titans punter is by far the best punter in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus's grades. Uh-oh, Vikings in trouble. Britton Colquitt is number two. Hey. He is the number two punter, according to Pro Football Focus. And the Chiefs got his brother, right? Didn't the Chiefs, like, yes. a week ago just cut his brother? Yep. In fact, his brother, my God. His brother's, like, 87 years old, too. He's yeah, been around for 74 his brother years. brother was, uh, I don't even know if he played last year, but, oh, but he did. The, he's not on this list. His brother punted for the Chiefs. He probably got taken off. Did he not he got qualify? Let go. No, he probably he's not on the list. Oh, you know, you know who was at the bottom of the list on kickoffs. You must have had like one kickoff. Is Who? that Vedvik? Oh, Kyer Vedvik. Can you not go there? Yeah, that, that's Dude, he, that, he shall not well, be named. The Vikings gave up a fifth round pick for that guy. That, then, not that then got flipped to Jacksonville <laughs> in that trade that uh, Baltimore made with Jacksonville. My God! Oh, it came back to the, bite him in the butt. Was, the, was that a 2020 pick? So did the Vikings give up yes. a 2020 huh? pick for a kicker they kept in camp oh, for yeah. two weeks and still wound up drafting 15 players? Correct. That's impressive. Dick Spielman, baby. It's amazing. Uh, don't forget, by the way, we, Mackie and Judd and Declan, we are pumping out daily episodes of Purple Daily, not only on the Purple Daily podcast feed, but also on Score North YouTube. It's just youtube.com slash Score North. We've had like 400 new subscribers in the last two or three days on our YouTube channel, and we greatly, greatly appreciate that. It was, we look to, uh, to keep this Score North dream alive with a smaller cast. All right, you opened the wound, so I'll go down the path. March 15, 2020, the Ravens used a fifth-round pick they acquired from the Vikings to land one of the NFL's top defensive linemen in Calais Campbell in a trade with the Jaguars. So the Vedvik pick was not, was not only used uh, by Baltimore, but it was used to spin off to Jacksonville for Calais Campbell. What a, what a weird spastic. The Vikings have had, like, <laughs> they've had three weird spastic special teams wastes in the last seven years. With fifth round, all of them are fifth round picks, right? Blair Walsh was a fifth round yep, pick. Blair's fifth. He was amazing for one year, so but he also is responsible for one of the I would say four to five most tormenting things in Vikings history. At least he had a really good rookie season. In okay. fact, hey, hit the Mount Rushmore again here, Declan. Okay, Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore sports talker of the week with Maggie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. Sixth round pick on Blair Walsh. John Carlson, I think, was the fifth round. Pick. Okay. Still, I mean, still. Hell of a rookie year, though, you boys. It's like the fantasy. It's like Hell of a rookie year. The, the Vikings are the guy in your fantasy league. When it comes to kickers and punters, the Vikings are the guy in your fantasy league that reaches like two rounds earlier than necessary to get the first kicker, yeah. right? Instead of just waiting till the end. And laughs. Incessantly throughout the draft. Goskowski, yeah! Seabass yeah. is mine! <laughs> uh, is, is Blair Walsh's missed field goal in the playoff game against Seattle on the Mount Rushmore of tormenting Vikings moments? I know they've lost four Super Bowls. 98, 2009 on the list. So what? So I, th- I think it is. So Gary Anderson, Brett Favre, interception, Blair Walsh. I mean, I, th- I feel like those three have to be on there. But well, then you're only putting one Super Bowl loss on. Correct. And then there's the Hail, the Hail Mary, the push-off, the Pearson push-off mm-hmm. game, too. I think it has to be. You on know there. what? I think, we need to, I think we need to separate 
this conversation and this Mount Rushmore in, into two separate parts. One, um, the Super Bowl years. Yeah, like the, the Super Bowl losses are, are a and Mount then, Rushmore on, on their own. And then I think we start in 87 with the NFC title game loss, the Wade Wilson to Darren Nelson incompletion, which is for the, the, uh, the strike year, but that team was good. And played uh, Washington in the NFC Championship game. I think we need to start in 87 again with that Mount Rushmore, which would be Gary, which would be Brett's pass to the Rice across the middle that was picked off by Tracy Porter, Blair Walsh. Is there – does the Keenum interception in – I think it was the first quarter of the Philadelphia game that got returned for a touchdown, does that make it as the defining – Moment of that game because that game got out of control so quickly that the second half was. I don't think so. It's worthy of discussion. Yeah. Like what's the fourth? But based on how bad they got their asses kicked in that game, it's hard to put that on the list. I think it's Gary Anderson's missed kick. So if we're talking 1987 going forward, Uh, I think the three locks on this Mount Rushmore are Gary Anderson's missed kick. The Blair Walsh missed kick. Yep. And the Brett Favre interception. It's probably the it's probably the ball that Darren Nelson would have been an incredibly tough catch, but it could probably have been caught in Washington in the eighty seven NFC title game then. That's probably the fourth one because that was a defining end of game type of moment. I also don't think we can put on the Cardinals putting the Vikings no. playoff off the bed because it was Ooh. regular season. But it's close. Dude, no, that's it's that, on there. That is that it's is on there. And you know why? Like, all due respect, like I know that he's a competitor, but like the the Paul Allen call alone yeah. oh, is, yeah. is iconic in NFL depressing call history. Except so. that Vikings team was sort of fraudulent. I mean, they started six and zero. They were red hot. Yeah, I know, but they are still fraudulent. It's worthy yeah, of but, a discussion. But dude, like they were playing a crappy Cardinals team. But they had it. But can we put it on with three defining playoff meltdown moments at the worst possible time? So we've got our three locks, and now we've got the Cardinals. No, that 87 team had just beaten the Saints and Niners. And you remember, like, he wasn't born. Devin yeah. wasn't born. I was I was two or now, three years old. Now, so. I think as far as, in fact, you know what? You might as well fire it up again, Declan. <laughs> Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore Sports Talker of the Week with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. Heartbreaking, goofy Vikings moments from Vikings teams that really weren't all that legit. That one, the Cardinals won for sure. I mean, and on that one, you could so probably it, it, throw it, it, Dante's knee blowing up in Carolina. Okay, what's the Mount Rushmore here? What's the what's the title? Heartbreaking of it? moments from Vikings teams that were a bit fraudulent. Because there were some decent Vikings teams, All but right, they certainly weren't on this, you know, on this NFC title game level. Everything that happened after the first drive in the Joe Webb playoff game. That was a fraudulent Vikings team that Adrian Peterson carried. Yeah. They used Joe Webb correctly in the first drive, and it looked like, wait, this is going to work. This is awesome. And then they wind up getting drubbed by the – it was the Packers, right? They got drubbed yeah. by the Packers. Yeah. At Lambeau, has there, ever been, has there ever been a subterfuge game plan like that game plan? Like you literally sunk your battleship immediately for no reason. They're going to expect us to use Joe Webb's legs, so let's not. And then if I'm That's not – outthinking yourself. And then if I'm not mistaken, I believe that the Packer team – that went to San Francisco, played the Niners, and Kaepernick basically spent the entire game doing what Joe Webb started that yeah, game doing. Ran, I think Kaepernick ran for 180 yards or yeah. something in that game. And that's one where everyone's like, you are not going to be able to stop this offense. This is the wow. new offense in the National Football League in like the next year. Like, okay, okay this is I would add to this list, since this Mount Rushmore is like Vikings teams that were sort of fraudulent and then like heartbreaking moments. So it wasn't yeah. like 98-09, right. 41 donut. 
That was not a team. That team went to the NFC Championship game. It was a weak NFC that year. I mean, that, that was a Kerry Collins Giants team Ugh. that went to the Super Bowl. That was not a good NFC. Cigar smoking. The Vikings were not as good as they were in 98. They weren't even as good as they were in 1999. But they yep. still had... You know, they still had some weapons, and it was early Dante. They're but that favored, was, I believe. But that was like that was not a team the that NFC, anyone thought was going to go to the, and win yeah. the Super Bowl. Let's be clear, the National Football Conference sucked that year. <laughs> it was it was like, it was it awful. Was good. I I remember. I don't think there's ever been a Vikings conference title game that I was as uninspired for. And I'm talking to kickoff. I'm not talking when it started to to uh, get away from them. I don't think I've ever been as like nonchalant and being like, is this really yes. championship Sunday as that Vikings game? Didn't that Vikings team have a bye with like a 10-6 and six record too? Because I know they played the Saints beforehand. They, they they whooped Aaron Brooks and the Saints yes. the night before, the week before. Yeah, the, the Giants had the best record in 2000. I just pulled this right. up. The Giants had the best record in 2000 with a 12-4 and four record. And then the Vikings and Eagles both went 11-5. and five. That was early Donovan McNabb era. The New Orleans Saints... The greatest show on turf, Rams, were kind of like transitioning into maybe the Mark Bolger era oh. at some point in there. <laughs> so they were not the same team. And the New Orleans Saints that year also went 10-6 and six with starting quarterback Jeff Blake, if you remember oh, correctly. Oh, I remember oh, yeah. Jeff Blake well. And then they, tra- Bengals, Bengals, they transitioned yeah. to Aaron Brooks at some point as well. Aaron Brooks, whose That's most famous fine. highlight is turning backwards against the Chargers and throwing a pass 20 yards in the wrong direction. Yeah, Kirk's done that. Well, not 20, not yards, that 20 yards. Throwing it backwards. He's throwing it backwards before. But can you so so the problem too with that year and, and that NFC title game as well was this, and Dex, you were probably what six at the time, so you don't recall this. But can you imagine going from the '98 high flying Vikings, who sort of redefined offense, into the Rams, the greatest show on turf, who definitely took elements of the Vikings and even won up those? So you had had. Gentlemen, I want to say two or three years of this just awesome football, and 2001 hits and you get this garbage. It was so disappointing. Okay, did you guys know? Now that we're down this wormhole, <laughs> the 2000 Vikings started seven and zero. They started seven and zero, and then they ran once again into Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. Got their asses kicked. That was that was another Mike Allstott game. I love if Mike I remember Allstott right. neck roll. Oh, yeah. They just got smoked forty one to thirteen. Then they lost an overtime game against Green Bay and then the wheels kinda of, like then they won a few games and they lost three straight to end the season, giving up forty, thirty three and thirty one. But they wind up getting the bye week, as Declan said. They still got a bye in the first round of the playoffs because the NFC was garbage. And they got that Saints team with Aaron Blake or, yeah. or Aaron Brooks Aaron or Jeff Brooks. Blake. I can't remember which crappy <laughs> quarterback. So they get they basically get like two byes into that net, that NFC championship game against the Giants. So wow, and, and I think what a wormhole. I think t- like closing to like 2016, like when they started five and zero, and and then things collapsed. Maybe you put the the Colts game on there as like the the defining blow because if the if the Vikings controlled their own destiny there they run the table they still make the playoffs mm-hmm. but that Colts game was a huge buzzkill when Andrew Luck who was just a shell of himself torched the Vikings. Yeah. Good session there. Yeah, Good Mount great. Rushmore session, yeah. boys. All right. Turned a little dark at times, but that's okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick pause here and we're going to come back and talk to our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson. We're going to get the scoop on our local sports teams and see. You know, the Vikings do still have some free agency money to spend on. And uh, we'll talk to Doogie about that and other things. But thank you to Federated Mutual Insurance Company for helping power the Mackie and Judd podcast. Federated is here to help business owners. This is a tough time right now, tough time for business owners. And Federated is here with trusted resources to help you day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, whether it's written pandemic policies, 
HR-related topics, even communications to employees, you can go to federatedinsurance.com or talk to your local marketing representative to access trusted resources. Federated just wants to thank medical professionals and our rescue workers for everything you've done these last 60 days and everything you're going to keep doing as we go forward here. And specifically, thank you to our local businesses because you are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. Again, federatedinsurance.com or call your local Federated marketing representative to get those trusted resources at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Also, over on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale Toyota wants you to know two things. First and most importantly, they hope you and your family are staying safe and staying healthy. And secondly, they are open for you if you need them, and they are taking the necessary precautions to keep team members and you, the customer, safe. You can shop their entire inventory from the comfort of your home, chat online with their sales team, and schedule a test drive where they will bring the vehicle to you. So if you're still interested, and if you were planning 60 days ago to get into a new vehicle, you can still do that, and they at Luther Brookdale Toyota are making things safe and easy for you. On the service side of things, they've set up a no-contact system, including electronic checkout, and there's a tire special going on right now. You can buy any three tires and get the fourth one free. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com and 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. He is our friend from Five Eyewitness News and also from the Scoop Podcast, which you can find on scorenorth.com, Apple, and Spotify. Darren Doogie Wolfson joins the Mackie and Judd podcast here. Doogie, what's happening? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Phil. Happy schedule release day. We're pumped already. We're very excited yeah, we, about this, dude. We did our mock schedules yesterday. We all got them playing three or four primetime games. Would you like to give your mock schedule right now? Well, I did see one week from a morning host or a midday host from 670 to score out of Chicago. I believe he's relatively credible. He's got the Vikings at the Bears, Week 10, Monday Night Football. He's also got the Bears playing the Packers, Week 17. In other words, the Vikings would play the Lions, Week 17. I did see also that John Clayton did a radio show in Pittsburgh yesterday suggesting that for the first four weeks, the NFC would play the AFC, but it sounds like not only the score host, but other credible sources today have said, no, that's false, John was off on that. So it is possible. So I think I saw you suggest that the Vikings will play New Orleans week one, which would be fun. That is now in play. What John Clayton said is not true. How about this, Dukes? How about the Vikings playing host to Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers in week one and bring Teddy back and Zim can start crying on the sideline. It could be a beautiful thing. Guys like Declan in the stands would cry. There would be a lot of very, very emotional people seeing Teddy Bridgewater play against his old team. I'm tearing up right yeah. now, Doogie. I'm tearing up right now. Yeah, I'm sure Declan is tearing up right now. That would be a fascinating storyline. How about this one? Tyler Johnson just goes off against the Vikings. Vikings in Tampa. Rick Spielman and the Vikings didn't want Tyler. Remember, they ended up moving out of that pick. They let Tyler fall to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers grab Tyler in the fifth round. Tyler comes back and just kicks the Vikings behind. <laughs> Did not see that one coming, but Doogie, I like it. He's a good kid. He uh, is a good kid, and I'm happy for him, and that's a great situation. They flew up here. They put him through a private workout right after the combine. They were all over him. I'm really, really happy for him. Hey, Doogie, do you have – I just want to switch gears here. 
because the University of Minnesota's athletic department is probably like a lot of college athletic departments, uh, bracing financially for what might be ahead. What information do you have on the toll that COVID-19 and the lack of spring sports and the cancellation of of everything that we saw during the basketball season. What, what What's happening over in the U of M athletic department? What can you tell us? Well, I mean, Phil, it's many, many millions of dollars. I don't know if I can quantify an exact number. I did have a lengthy chat yesterday with the University of Minnesota Regent Michael Chu that posted this morning that is Scoop Podcast episode 295. Chu and the rest of the Board of Regents will get an address from A.D. Mark Coyle Tomorrow, so the Board of Regents is meeting today and tomorrow. Coil comes in at the very end of the Friday meeting. This is, of course, all done virtually. So they'll get an update Friday, late morning, early afternoon from Coil. Again, I mean, Hugh was saying, and, and he relies on Dr. Michael Osterholm, who is as, you know, foremost an expert when it comes to, to this pandemic as anybody on the planet. He's a University of Minnesota professor, and he's got nine million other titles. He's one of you know, the foremost infectious disease experts in the country. So she has been relying on Dr. Osterholm for his advice. So she goes on the Paul Feinbaum national show on Tuesday suggesting that we may not have college football in the fall. So I reached out to Shu. I said, hey, why don't we have a discussion about that? Now, he admitted, he goes, yes, I'm relying on Osterholm. This is just my educated opinion. And at this point, Phil, I don't know if we know. I don't know four months out, right? if we'll have college football in the fall, but you just wanted to bring up the possibility that we may not. And he believes, now, again, you see the University of Tennessee come out earlier this week suggesting that students will be back on campus in the fall. I know at least one of the Arizona institutions has done that. Purdue has already announced students will be back on campus in the fall. But choose belief without a vaccine, and the chances of, of there being a vaccine by September are about 1 in 20 million. I mean, it's just, it's, not realistic. He just thinks without a vaccine, they can't bring students back to campus. And if students are not back on campus, it's hard to have a college football season. My comeback to that is, is something we've talked about going back weeks. As long as testing is readily available, why can't we figure out a way? Social distancing, there has to be there has to be some solution, right? Because if we just sit in our houses for the next couple of years waiting for a vaccine, we're all going to go stir-crazy. Many of us are already going stir-crazy. So there has to be some sort of happy medium to get back to some sense of normalcy. So, Duke, I, I did see a, a potential solution and suggestion from uh, Penn State coach James Franklin yesterday that I, I found to be intriguing. Don't know if it's realistic, but he talked about, uh, because we don't know what schools are going to be able to come back and what schools aren't, and there probably are going to be some schools that play football that that can't field a, a team, that there might be regionalized conferences. And so instead of, you know, the traditional SEC, Big Ten, um, Pac-12, blah, 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 that they would regionalize for one year, regionalized conferences so those that could play college football and uh, make money off of it can do that, even if there are certain schools or areas that can't be playing football. I mean, Jeff, I think at this point, every possibility is on the table. I mean, I guess what Franklin is saying makes some logical sense. But if you're Penn State, instead of playing Minnesota or Wisconsin or Illinois, you end up playing, I mean, I think they already play Pittsburgh, but you play Pittsburgh, you play Syracuse, you play Boston College, you play other Power 5 schools or other D1 schools in that region of the country. 
I just wonder what happens if a player tests positive. And, I mean, that's across all sports. I mean, there's all sorts of momentum that baseball is going to return, right? I saw Randy Levine, the Yankees president, was on the Fox affiliate in New York City earlier today suggesting that he is positive. We are going to hear the words play ball relatively soon. Trevor Plouffe, our buddy, a couple days ago, floated the idea of a June 10th start for, for summer training and a July 1st opening day. There's all sorts of momentum in baseball, and I'm starting to think that we may have baseball at some point this summer. But what happens? I think it's when, not if, right, just the way this thing spreads. When, not if, what happens when a player tests positive? So the college football idea sounds great, Judd. Hey, if you can guarantee me college football in some form or fashion, bring it on. I don't care if we don't have Big Ten football in the year 2020. If we have any football, bring it on, right? I'm, I'm missing sports. I just wonder what happens when a player tests positive. I'm not quite sure. Anybody has that answer. Doogie, if if baseball does come back and they play a full season of like 100 games or something, let's say, and they play with no ticket revenue, so they just play inside of empty stadiums for four months and then play their playoffs, what impact will that have on the Twins? I saw a Fangraphs article that came out about a month ago that listed all of the new TV contracts. It was basically the newest article that ranked – every team based on what their TV contract is. And even though the Twins are pulling in, you know, $15 million more million now than they were like six or seven years ago, I think they pull in like $40 million a year from Fox Sports North. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Um, it's, it's like 27th in baseball. Mm-hmm. So they're 27th in TV revenue. If there's no ticket revenue coming in, you can't put 30,000 people in the stands every night at Target Field, what kind of an impact will that have on the Twins beyond 2020? Well, first off, do you remember, Phil, when the Twins' Fox Sports North contract expires? Is it after this year? Is it after next year? Or did they just I believe it's it? through, like, 2022, but I'd have to go check. Okay, the so report. there is an opportunity, depending on all sorts of different circumstances, maybe in the next couple of years for the Twins to make more, because you're right, yeah, 27th in baseball doesn't surprise me. I actually thought they were lower, but still, $40 million isn't peanuts. You're right. There would be some sort of impact, but what about the money you're saving in terms of, you know, whether it's the concession deal you have with with the Twins, is it Delaware North, whatever yeah. the company is, you know, just I know they've they've tried to set up funds for for some of their part time workers, right, the the ushers and some of the other you know essential personnel on on a game day, but clearly without fans in the stands, you don't need those individuals, right? So. I think you would find different ways to end up saving some money. But, yeah, you would absolutely take some sort of hit. But I think the difference with, with the TV money at least being there, I think it's better off. And you can't get to 100% without getting the you know 25% first, right? Yeah. Like I've seen some blowback on, on some people suggesting, you know, with the idea of restaurants maybe opening in, in the coming weeks. Does it make financial sense for a restaurant to open if you need to take out three-fourths of the tables in the restaurant, right? Like, does it make financial sense to open up the restaurant if you can't have all the tables in play? And my comeback to that is it's better than nothing, right? Like, you have to start somewhere. So, And who knows? I mean, this thing is evolving, Phil, right? Like, maybe that's the case July 10th, July 20th, July 31st. Maybe by September, maybe things ease. We just don't know. But, but I think – if, if we could just get baseball back and the Twins can be guaranteed some sort of TV revenue and all these teams can be guaranteed some sort of TV revenue, and just for our well-being, I think so many of us just need something. You know, God bless the Korean Baseball League, but, but 
haven't been up at one thirty two in the morning to, to consume a lot of that. Just give me something. I think that would be a win for, for many, yeah. many people. All right, Doogie, give us some rapid-fire scoops, starting with anything you know about the Vikings in free agency, because there's still players to be signed. I can see them signing a veteran defensive back, but there really isn't any movement. I've been asked about Everson Griffin. I've been asked about all these offensive linemen that are out there. The issue is so many guys need to take visits. Like Justin Britt is a good player, former Seahawk. He just got let go. He can play tackle. He can play guard. Last year he played center for the Seahawks. Good player, but he tore his ACL in October. So my sense is, we're talking to somebody close to Britt, nobody is signing him without being able to bring him in for a visit. That's the same with so many guys. We've talked about this going back weeks. Everson Griffin, some of his mental health hurdles going back a couple of years. I think teams want to meet with him face-to-face. Not to, not to suggest that a deal couldn't happen, but I just think a lot of these free agents still in the market, I think they need to end up taking visits. But I can't eventually see the Vikings signing a veteran defensive back over a veteran offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. I did even check this morning on Josh Klein. You know, people can ask me about the possibility of the Vikings bringing back Klein. Nothing new on that front. Not to suggest that it couldn't happen, but there's zero traction on that front right now. Uh, some other notes fail. Jeff Malhoff, the former Iona assistant, used to coach at Hopkins and Robinsdale Cooper. I would make him a betting favorite to replace Rob Jeter on Richard Pitino's Gophers men's basketball staff. The Gophers, the University of Minnesota, I think got a little bit lucky going back multiple months. They extended their Nike contract. So while Michigan makes like 10 to 15 to 20 million dollars a year on this Nike contract, the Cobras only make like two to three million dollars a year. But hey, it's better than nothing. And their contract was set to expire with Nike in July. Somebody had the foresight going back multiple months to extend that contract for at least two to three years. So the Gophers are still locked in with Nike, making at least a couple million dollars a year. Now they'd be closer to three, maybe even north of three. I had a nice conversation with Justin Jefferson, the Vikings rookie wide receiver, yesterday. He said he's most looking forward to competing against all the LSU defensive backs. No surprise, Tyron Matthew, you know, guys of that ilk. He said the receiver that he thinks is the best in the NFL. Now, he caught himself after a couple seconds suggesting that Adam Thielen is in the conversation. But he said Julio Jones. So even though he's there in the state of Louisiana, I said Michael Thomas. He said Julio Jones to him is the best receiver in the NFL. Right on. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News and also from the Scoop Podcast, which you can still find on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Doogie, take care, and we'll talk to you next week, man. Bye, boys. See you, All right. It's our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson there. So, yeah, the financial ramifications for yeah. athletic departments, for, for the Twins, it's going to be very interesting to see. Okay, so on the Twins front, the TV front, I got more bad news there, boys. I got more Bad news because, you know, Fox uh, sold all of its um, regional sports networks to Sinclair Broadcasting. Yes. <clears throat> I read from a story that came out yesterday. The federal agency that regulates the U.S. television industry slapped the largest civil fine in its history on Sinclair Broadcasting, a company w- with links to the Trump administration, as punishment for deceiving the government. Sinclair agreed, so they've agreed to pay this $48 million fine and entered into a consent decree to close three and entered into a consent decree to close three separate ongoing investigations by the Federal Communications Commission. Wow. Which means that Sinclair Broadcasting in no way, shape, or form is going to be in a position for a while with the current climate and that fine to be giving out large TV contracts unless it's now going to try and take some of these FSN regionals and spin them off. So if you're a baseball team, this ain't good news. It also might mean that 
some of the familiar faces you see on some of these broadcasts that may, they might right. not have. All the people that are furloughed right now, is it possible that only half of them come back well, that, on Fox Sports? I that, don't know. That too, but I'm just thinking from a standpoint of we think about how long now, what, the last 10 years, 15 years, that the bread and butter of a lot of these baseball teams has been the fact that they've gone to their RSNs when the deals is up and cashed in in huge ways because the programming in baseball is absolutely huge. But if you just paid a close to a $50 million fine and you're also right now pretty much showing uh, Diamondback games the best of 2002, bad news. Here's another thought for you. Um, what do you think about this? Because my, my head's been spinning on how, how do sports come back and you know baseball comes back or football. Could we enter into at least a year of practicing on purpose age discrimination across the board? If you have an older coach or coaching staff, all right, because my, my theory is this. If I'm an in-shape 25-year-old athlete and I'm either asymptomatic or I get coronavirus, that's bad, but I'm probably okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Durant had it. We've certainly seen um, guys being diagnosed and they turn out to be absolutely fine. And in two weeks, they're like, hey, I'm back and I'm great. Thank you so much. But, you know, there's a lot of these coaches, especially in football, with health history problems. And if you're an offensive line coach and you're 65, do you have any business being allowed back? Boy, I I don't think your question is limited to just sports. I think there's going to be some uncomfortable and unprecedented discussions in this country about how do we move, how do we move forward safely without a vaccine, not only for football, but for businesses and who's the most vulnerable Who's not statistically? You know, what What do we need to do to protect the vulnerable? What do we need to do to protect businesses? I think you've just opened a potential Pandora's box that doesn't just apply to, like, old baseball managers. I think it applies to the entire country. Sure. Really. But, I mean, could we could we be forced to do something that goes against our fabric and grain now? Yes. And say, you can't work. Sorry. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I mean, but but let's flip that around too and say, all right, are we going to get to a point where we, as a country, say, listen, to keep the economy going, and so the unemployment rate doesn't keep going up and up and up, and like we, just to restart this thing in some form, you know, I don't think you can say only people under the age of seventy without pre-existing conditions can walk into my store. Like legally, you cannot say that right now. Right, and I'm not suggesting that that you should find a way to legally be able to say that. But is there a way is there a way to allow people that are less vulnerable and are less at risk to do more things right. the rest of the year until there's a vaccine? And it's such a delicate, uncomfortable conversation. But I think the answer might be yes. Yeah, it's – boy. I mean, th- think about just football coaching staffs, okay? And think about the amount of people, Phil, that we've covered through the years who are old football football guys, and they m- might have played at one time. But, you know, they have diabetes now, or and they're 66, and they're not in great shape. Yeah. And, they, you know, there, there were times when, when you, you would watch those guys in Mankato during training camp and being like, oh, I hope he's okay. And now could the mandate be, sorry, but you just can't do this for a year. And, and you know, our players can play because they're young and and – you know, I think the statistics. I think the statistics say, could something go wrong? Absolutely. Is it going to go wrong and be a catastrophe? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But if now I just start to say we're bringing back the whole coaching staff and darn it, they're okay. Now I'm tempting fate. Yeah. 
Dude, it's it's a really interesting question. I wish I had an answer and says yes, like a hundred percent, but it feels it feels a little bit dirty to do it that way too. And there's definitely gonna be some legalities that you're gonna have to you know, some legal hurdles that you're probably gonna have to figure out, but um, but I mean, do they yeah. sign consent forms and like I don't care I don't if know. I die? And can you take that risk Dude, if, I, if you're the National Football League? These are all things that are probably going to have to be discussed. Like, like the fact that baseball is already telling its teams to prepare for a potential. Like this is Jeff Passan's reporting this morning that hey, teams and players are being notified. Start getting yourself in shape because this thing's going to go. But the players' union hasn't signed off on anything yet. No, that's sounds like the league point. is just saying no. We're shoving this out the door. So well, and our players go, go and our players across the board. In all sports, going to say, hey, no problem, cool, quarantine me, or do you... Well, it depends on if they get paid or not. This is the other thing. Like, if I'm a baseball player, and I have a family, and I'm a veteran, and I'm getting paid, and I don't want to put myself or my family at risk, I might be more likely to say, now, if, if somehow the league is able to say, you don't get paid unless you play games this year, and I don't know how that works. Yep. And I'm sure that these are the, these are the discussions that the players' associations in all leagues are having with the owners themselves. That's the thing, like, in baseball, there's almost no way, if you're not putting fans in the seats, yep. there's almost no way you can pay players the full contracts in 2020 that you were. You're taking too much of a, of a financial hit. The, players, the owners would say that. Right, but the players have made it clear that the agreement that they came to, I think, in late March is the agreement as they see it, and that did not allow for for docking pay for fans not being in seats. And so now... The owners in the league have come back and been like, yeah, but if we can't have fans there, and players are, are saying, I don't agree with that, here's my fear. So football's done a good job. And, and you know what? Football is is going to push the NFLPA around all they want. They always do, right? Basketball, I think, is in a good place. I think it's an incredibly well-run league. Hockey we can talk about sometime else. I fear that baseball is going to screw this up beyond belief because, look, and this is where our guy Maclob was right. Um, baseball can screw up a one-car funeral. Rob Manfred's a dangerous guy. What I fear is that the owners are going to tell the players, if there's no stands or no fans of stands, we can't pay you as much. And we are right around the corner from the CBA and baseball being up. I think this could turn into, and this would be awful, but I think this could turn into a complete war between the owners and players with this as the jumping-off point, but the CBA being next mm-hmm. up. Baseball could, in the next two to three years, baseball could bury itself if it doesn't do this right. So I'm if, if we get to a standoff and the owners say, hey, we're going to do this, it's going to be a 110-game season, and we're going to play some doubleheaders, and we're just going to scrunch it all into four months, but you all have to take 30 to 40% pay cuts to make this happen, and, and the players say no, and it's a standoff, who would you side with? Would you side with the players or the owners? In this case, if they told them that they had to come back to work, I would side with the players. In this case. But I think what that I would too. But I think what that would be, Phil, would be the starting point for a war between the, these sides that could now they'd be stupid on both sides to do this. But I'm not gonna put it past them. It could shut baseball down. It will shut baseball down. For an extended period. It'll, I think it'll bury baseball worse than it did 25 years ago. Oh, they, fans because, wouldn't forgive this time. Because here's what's going to happen. If this, ha- if this standoff you. happens, and if the players say, no, this is ridiculous. Like, you guys are billionaires. Yeah, we're millionaires, but you take the loss. I'm yep. not going to take the loss. You take the loss. You're worth $2 billion. Yes. And, I, and honestly, like, if it's between siding with billionaires taking a loss or millionaires taking a loss, in this case, I will side with the millionaires taking a loss. But what's going to happen is 
fans, the, the owners and, and the league itself and Rob Manfred are going to paint the picture of players being greedy. Yes. And fans will, a lot of fans will most likely look at players and say, what? You couldn't play for $10 million, Mike Trout? You had, to, you had to sit out and now we don't get a season? Right. As opposed to, wait, owners, you couldn't, billionaire owner guy, you couldn't pay the extra $20 million once? Once? Baseball will paint this from Manfred on down and the owners as uh, we're trying to give the fans something and the players won't do it. The reality is we're trying to get our TV money as much as possible. But they, of course, won't say that. But, yeah, this this could – I don't think that what we're going through right now is, is any sort of Armageddon for hockey, basketball, or football. This could be Armageddon for baseball. But it also could be a rebirth for baseball if they do it right. That's the, that's the, that's the intersection we're sitting okay, in Okay, what's your faith right now? Well, my faith is low. But if baseball, <laughs> if baseball were to find a way to just come back, period, in July and be the only show in town right. the rest of the summer – and be, and have this grand opening but and I think, it signifies the opening of America like it can be a huge boost for baseball but I think if, if you're if you're truly going to be the first sport back I think that you need to pay your players in full then like if that's your goal then you're going to have to suck it up and Take pay them yeah but I think that they're going to say if there's not fans there we can't pay them in, in full and that's where I fear that's where I fear it's just going to be going off the cliff of then here's problem a b c d all the way through z yeah well to be continued on this discussion, and I hope that it ends with baseball games taking place in, in July and beyond. That's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. You can find our Vikings-centric podcast, Purple Daily, on Apple, Spotify, or scorenorth.com. And you can also find our Vikings YouTube channel at youtube.com slash scorenorth. Action Movie Rewind makes its return tomorrow, gentlemen. Commando. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. Peak 80s, baby. I'm jacked. Yes. I'll be back. Wrong movie. He says it, though. No, he says it. Oh, he does he? Oh, he drops it? Yeah. He drops it. Really? Oh, yes. yeah. He drops the line. I've never seen Commando. Oh, my God. The year God. after Terminator. Yeah, go watch Oh, he, dro- oh, oh, he drops oh, them all. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm How dare sorry. you, sir. Does he say, get to the chopper? Basically, yes. Almost. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Almost. Yes, there's, a, there's an amphibious plane involved, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Oh, can't wait for tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.